0: okay mustache hey
1: <laughs> okay mustache what's up people's what, what up what up what up here we go here we go i can't see you though yeah uh let me turn on my camera on discord as well but uh I look like I got I'm in
2: front of a police lineup. Dun dun, dun. Like, yeah. <laughs> dun 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 the old noir mystery.
0: <laughs>
2: Yo. What up? You look, like, you look like you're about to read a bedtime story. <laughs> <laughs> I got some
1: books back here. I got some bedtime yeah. stories back here. Matter of fact, since we're on camera, why don't I show you some of my some of my collection? We've got American Psycho Special Edition. Uh oh. We've got Uh, one of my favorite books by John Fowles. This is about to fall. This is about to fall. One of my favorite books by John Fowles, The Collector. Anybody who hasn't read this, you want your book recommendation for the week because you'll finish this in seven days exactly. (laughs) By John Fowles. Such a great book. Such an amazing journey through literary Uh, darkness, such a great so it's about this guy that starts obsessing over this girl and it's told from two different like angles, it's told from like the girl like the girl's experience which she's just like living her life and is like totally oblivious that this guy's following her and then it's this guy who's like starting to make up all of these like things in his head as to like, you know oh she left me uh, a sign today that she secretly loves me, and then he fucking kidnaps her, and um, then he he puts her in his basement, and he's just like he's just like writing like she's gonna learn to love me. It's okay. Like she'll look back on this when we're married and see that this is the right thing to do. It's a fucking great book, man. Um, and it's I can't even explain how fucking um well written it is. John Fowles is a fucking monster uh when it comes to just multi multi-layered narratives and narratives that have multiple uh sort of protagonists it's uh it's really one of those but um i got something more important for us to talk about fuck books books suck. fuck all that <laughs> yeah this is what we're doing now guys this is what we're doing we're watching fucking music videos this is where you're going to get all your best music video recommendations. This is where you're going to get all your best movie recommendations, all your best book recommendations. This is the secret podcast. This is going to be the podcast that, like, you don't want to show your friends because you don't want them to get put on before you do. This is this is <laughs> that show. This is the show where you're going to secretly get everything that you wanted to be cool by, cool by knowing. It's all It's all right here. As it is. Let's go. But, uh... Davin, talk to me, man. what's what's been going on? you You've been on a, a lot of episodes. I think this is probably the first time, well, definitely is the first time that anybody's seeing your face. So yeah, uh, I guess it is.
2: Welcome to the show. And, uh, the first episode that we've done since uh, since my return to the United States. That's fucking true. let's Let's yeah. bring that up.
1: Yeah, you were last time we did an episode, you were in Mexico. You By the way, check out this podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to As It Is with Adam. If you just type in my name, Adam Albari, that's A L B A A R I, um, on any of your podcast apps, uh, primarily Apple Podcasts. You can go and just listen to any of the episodes that I've done with Davin so you can get caught up on his journey through Mexico, uh, coming from Turkey, but originally an American. We met all the way back in Maryland, um, those fateful days back in Huntington, um, in the dog days. But you've been around the world a couple of times since then, and you're now finally back in America, so you've come full circle. So it's been a little bit. How many months have you been, or has it been a year?
2: Close. Uh, I'd say it's been about eight months, I guess. Yeah, eight months in total. Cause I was here for about seven months straight. And then I actually went back to Mexico for pretty much a month. And then I just got back from that trip a few weeks ago. So yeah, about eight months in total.
1: Okay. So you've been in America for eight months. You were in Mexico for seven years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Seven long, seven long fucking years. years. (laughs) Like, you know, that you know, that scene in rock and roll where Mark strong is screaming Cause he, uh, he finds out that, uh, his boss was actually a, a, a rat to the like FBI and was like, and was the dude who sold him out. And I he was like, in years, man, I have to rewatch it, but yeah, go ahead. He was like, I was in jail for four years, four long fucking years. <laughs> oh man. But, no, yeah. I have to re-watch that one. You did a seven stretch in, uh, in Mexico though.
2: In my time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what what was your original reason for going there?
2: Um, so my mom at this point is pretty much serving as a, as a diplomat, so she works in U.S. embassies, and uh, that was the whole reason why we were in Turkey. And then she got her new assignment in Mexico. She invited me to go uh, to go with. And around that time, it was about you know time to start studying in school, go to university, and whatnot. So um i was just sort of weighing my options um i wanted to stay in turkey originally to be totally honest but um that wasn't going to work out so it was either go back to the united states or go with her to mexico and a lot of the things that i learned in turkey just provoked me to want to keep living abroad so yeah i just signed up for another adventure and uh after her assignment in Mexico ended, she moved off to uh, to Bosnia. I decided to stay in Mexico, and I was there for you know four more years after she left, I guess. So it just became home.
1: Okay. So you spent a lot of time amongst the Mexicans in Mexico. You were in Mexico City and then you were in Puebla in the city of Cholula.
2: yeah, and that yeah. was
1: that was where you spent most of your time, if I'm. Tell me if I'm correct about that. That's where most nope. of your time was.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So by the way, you fucking taught yourself Spanish, right? You you went mm-hmm. to you went to Mexico not knowing no Spanish, and in a couple yeah, of I mean, years, in a couple of years, you were just da 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 da. You were just Ricky Martin up in there.
2: I'd say a handful of years, but uh, I think it was just like school. I mean, when you first get to any country, like. They're only really going to teach you like the curse words, the insults, things like that to get you off your feet. And, uh, but that can only take you so far. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, going to, uh, you know, a Spanish speaking university, that was sink or swim. Mm -hmm. Right. You go there and you're going to have to, uh, read in Spanish, write in Spanish, present in Spanish, just, you know, everything. Um, casually speak to people in Spanish, like everything. Um, so I I guess that was really what what forced it on me, you know? And yeah, like if, if I hadn't done that, like I probably wouldn't have walked away with uh, the understanding and, and level of Spanish that I have now.
1: Right, right. And like, I think there's so much to when you learn a language and when you're amongst the people of that country, like, you know, you're always, I'm sure, going to feel like an outsider, but at least now that you're speaking in their language, you don't have that extra layer of like, you know, difference. Like you can at least speak to them in their natural language. They're going to be who they really are because for, for a lot of like, I've traveled a lot. And one of the things I notice is when people have to switch to English, they kind of change. Like their personality is a little bit different because they're communicating a language that's not their own. So I
2: guess, uh... Somebody or I guess a lot of different people, a lot of polygots have said this and like even scientists and linguists who have, uh, you know, just studied like languages in general. They've, they've said that um, as you learn a new language, like you sort of develop an entirely new personality to accompany that language because I mean, I guess in general how it works is you're essentially mimicking other people as you're learning this language in the same way that like we learn languages as babies. Right. Right. Uh, so as you're like mimicking people, you start to like pick up on little aspects of their personality. And eventually like once you become fluent or advanced in one language, like you just sort of like cultivated uh, a new personality to, to represent yourself in that language. So I always thought that, that was super interesting, but no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's fucking super interesting, man. And like, that's kind of the
1: thing with a lot of my international friends that I'm just like, damn, I wish there was like a pill you could take where I could understand you, at least understand, like, not right. even maybe speak back, but like understand how they are when they speak their language and what kind of person they are, because that really teaches you, like, you know who you're talking to, you know. Yeah, they, they
2: actually they have a pill for that. It's called MDMA. <laughs>
1: oh right, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. You're back stateside. You're in Alabama. That's a big difference, or is it a big difference? I'm, I'm just, I'm just Let's assuming. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, people in Alabama are pretty cool for the most part. I'm in the, I'm in uh, northern Alabama, mm-hmm. and I've heard that like the further south you go, uh, it gets, it can get pretty different. Um, and I haven't really done too much exploring in the state of uh, in the state of Alabama, um. Recently took a trip to to Atlanta, Georgia, first time going there. And people were pretty different there in comparison to Alabama. They didn't have much of a southern accent, actually. I was was surprised to hear that. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, people are cool out here. They're uh, very down-to-earth, very, uh, for the most part, actually, like, agreeable people, you know? I didn't run into any, like, crazy uh, redneck southerners. Like, I don't know, just, I don't know, maybe the stereotypes that we have like upper and the the Northern side of the States and the East coast. When we think of like Southerners, we have a lot of pretty bad stereotypes when it comes to them, but for the most part, they've been pretty cool. That's dope, man. That's dope. Mm -hmm. And tell me, I mean, what, what
1: do you miss the most about Mexico? If anything,
2: I miss being able to walk down the street, with 500 pesos in my pocket which is maybe i don't know like 50 60 dollars or something like that and then just go to a small little tiendita uh buy like all the food that you need for the month uh or at least like two weeks all like fresh natural produce nothing with like you know biochemical agents and (laughs) ingrained into it No, like, super Monsanto seeds, no no nasty wax, like, coated all over the fucking fruit. And, you know, just, like, eating healthy and for super cheap. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Well, a lot of other things, too, but that's definitely the biggest one. I'm noticing something. I'm
1: noticing you're not talking too much about the people. I miss some people, of course.
0: Yeah, I miss
2: my close friends out there. Um People in Puebla can be a little bit funny, though. Like, uh, actually, in Mexico, there's a, a pretty universal thing. Like, a- any other state in Mexico that you go to and talk to a person there about Puebla, uh, they, they have this word for them called uh, pipope. And it means, like, it's an acronym that goes for uh, pinche poblano pendejo. And basically, the reason why everybody has that is, is poblanos have this culture of like thinking too highly of themselves you know very uh just what's the word you know really pompous people and trying to flex when when they you know just acting like they that they got money and i mean some of them of course like they do but just i don't know in in a wide respect generalizing of course but uh they can be really fake you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> really and uh, like to, people to just like act friendly to your face and then run around talk shit about you behind your back i mean like a like a sitcom or like american high school you know
1: right you told me something uh, a little while ago when you were still living there that i thought was deeply interesting you were talking about the culture of chisme
2: oh yeah 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 gossip
1: yeah, and that this man. is like a staple. This is like a a, a, a backbone, a foundation to Poblavian, Poblano culture. And just explain
2: that to the audience. What the fuck is cheese, man? cheese may is just gossip, man. It's just like people going around talking about other people's business. And uh, in Cholula, it's a really small, really small world. Like you get people from all over the world i mean you get french people german people uh you know different people from different parts of latin america of course and you have like the poblanos and then you have people from like other states of mexico but despite that uh the culture of cholula and the culture of like university um i don't know what it is man i think it's it's because of uh of telenovelas i I think it's because of like the up The upbringing that a lot of people have or had. Um, and telenovelas are just, you know, like little romantic series Mm. about drama, like relationships and drama. And people like have taken that, extrapolated it, and applied it to their own lives for no fucking reason whatsoever. And so they try to make as much drama as they possibly can. Um, and yeah, I've had one too many. Mm one one too many uh situations and stories about that it just gets really really annoying yeah you've told me some crazy fucking stories man you told me some shit yeah um but completely like ruins relationships and that's why like by the end of it all by the time i left mexico um i mean i have a lot of friends of course but only like a handful really truly like a handful that i can safely say is like yeah they're they're solid like you know, no matter what, like they got your back. But out of all the people that I've met, I don't know, I don't know how many of them are really like that, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate, but I guess that's just life um, at that age. You know, I'm pretty sure it's like that at other universities as well, other towns where everybody just knows each other and knows about everybody's business because people just talk and people are bored. Maybe I was just high the whole
1: time, but it wasn't like that in New Orleans. Like There Mm -hmm. was definitely some problems. I went to college in New Orleans for people who haven't listened to the show. and um, If you want to know about those days, I've got tons of episodes with all the people I used to run around with there. When I worked in the film industry, um, they shoot tons of movies down there. So I got my start as a PA and then became an assistant for producers. But anyways... Um, I did my undergrad in New Orleans and lived in this like community of people that also went to college there. And, you know, for all the bullshit that was there, like it was, there was no jobs unless you worked in like three different sectors. Um, there was like just horrible infrastructure. The only thing anyone ever did was drink. For all of that, at least there wasn't like a gossip mill. You know, I could have been completely zonked out and like, didn't notice that people were just talking shit about me the whole time. That could, that could have been what was going mm-hmm. on. But, um, I just, de- I never felt like I had to watch my back. You know, I never felt like people, I guess everybody was so wasted all the time that everybody was already making their own mistakes. So nobody wanted to judge anybody else because everybody well, was, the just-
2: thing, like, was the exact same, uh, you know, the exact same situation. It's, it's a drinking town, a lot of clubs, bars, people are just fucking shit face from Sunday to Sunday you know? Yeah. But yeah. Even, even with be still with that. Oh my God. It was just a lot of times a really toxic environment. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. So, um, so
1: now that you're out and I guess you did go back for a month, what were you doing when you were
2: there for a month? Uh, visiting my girlfriend and Picking up the rest of my stuff because when I f- made my first move back to the states, uh, I, even with my three suitcases, I couldn't bring everything that I that I had. Uh, so I had a lot of my extra stuff uh, basically like in storage. And so I went to go back and pick the rest of it up. Um, and of course, like to visit friends because when I was in the states, like for that first like seven month trip, I was working as a I was working in a manufacturing plant doing basically like seven, 12 shifts. And uh, I mean, what that means is basically like seven days a week, 12 hour shifts pretty much every day. And that's that's hard. <laughs> no yeah. no social life whatsoever. You pretty much go to work, go home, sleep, wake up, eat breakfast, pack your lunch, go back to work, do it all over again. Um, so I really just needed a break. And I saved up a lot of money. and. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make a quick trip, be out there for about a month or so, and try to enjoy myself for what little time I can spend out there. Then come back and do it again. That's dope.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, uh, you really put your nose to the grindstone when you were working that job, man. That was, that was crazy doing those shifts and just dealing with all the fucking inside drama. That it seemed like Cheese May kind of followed you a little bit. Uh, with some of the factory floor drama that you were telling me about that was going on. Oh
2: my yeah. god! I hope that company tanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, man! Yeah, there, the the drama just followed you for a little while there, where you just could not catch a break. There was just I don't know what t- it is, man. I think I'm bewitched. Yeah, I I, sw- I swear, like the way you were telling me this shit was going down, I
2: was like, man. Something's happening somebody's somebody's trying to get your ass, yeah, somebody's got the evil eye on me, bro, or some some something, some entity out there is is on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make sure that Davin has the worst possible time <laughs> i swear every step way,
1: but um but, yeah, I mean, now you're done with that job. you're kind of looking for something new, and uh you're you're out there in in Bamaville, and yeah. Uh, I mean, how does the United States feel in general after seven years of not being like in this in this cauldron of madness?
2: Ten years, a full decade, but yeah. even with that, it's like it—it it was terrifying coming back. Um, at this point, I feel a bit more like comfortable and settled, um, but there are still some things that I'm still learning how to like navigate. You know what I mean, like. How do you deal with, for example, police here? If you ever get pulled over for whatever reason, like, how do you talk to them? You know, what do you do? What happens if you actually get in trouble, like, with a ticket or whatever? How, what's the whole procedure for that? Because in Mexico, it's an entirely different process.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so, yeah, just getting used to that and, you know, I guess just trying to get on my own two feet out here. Build a credit score, uh, start a 401k all that like super adult shit so Mm -hmm. yeah
1: does it kind of feel like because you were in Cholula like still kind of taking classes like you know you were you were definitely working down there but like you were still Mm -hmm. around a lot of young people it was still felt like a young life do does it feel like now that you're back here that you kind of transported into adulthood does that kind of feel like what happened
2: yeah in a way but I mean at the same time like I was ready for that Uh, because after a while like even living the lifestyle that you get when you're in Cholula like for as long as I had it gets it it gets tiresome you know you kind of grow out of it I mean of course you grow out of it but it also you start to realize that uh, in environments like that they can kind of become black holes Um, I mean I know a lot of people out there who are well into their 30s and still living that lifestyle, and I mean, it's their life, and that's what they want. That they're happy doing it. Uh, but for me, it was just, you know, my priorities were changing. Um, I started wanting different things. I started wanting more things for myself, and realizing that Chululo just wasn't going to give that to me. I mm. uh, forced my hand, and I wanted to get out of there. To the point to where, like, even my last semester. Um, I really wasn't enjoying it as much as I would have or, or had in my earlier semesters I guess so yeah I mean like you just grow up and um, you know like of course like you still want to have time, fun for from time to time but not like going out every single or every other day uh, meeting up with people just whatever you know um, yeah you, you want to start working toward other things yeah, no, I I um
1: I had a very similar experience leaving New Orleans like the first time I left cuz I I came back after college. So, mm. first time I left, it was literally the end of my senior year. Everybody else, all my like close friends at the time were leaving or they were starting jobs there. So, um I was just like, "Oh, well, my community's leaving. I might as well just go as well." So, I was like, you know, getting ready to go. I uh, was saying my goodbyes, and then I remember being at this club that we used to always go to, um, and it was like three a.m. and it was my last night before I, I had to take a plane the next day at seven. Oh. It was like, th- it was like three a.m. I had just taken like my fiftieth shot of of mohaha, of just uh, <laughs> of just darkness juice, and I was just like, I fucking hate this shit. Like I just I was listening to dumbass music won't you come my way? Like for the 50th time, I was just fucking sick of the same carousel that I'd been on since my freshman year. And I was just fatigued. I was just like actually tired. And so I was just like, fuck it. I'm ready to go back home to Michigan. I'm going to pack my bags. And I just hit the bed that night, feeling so happy that I was going to be leaving in the morning, got on a plane, went to, went to Michigan couldn't find a job for 4 months had a fucking terrible time adjusting to like not living in, in in Partyville USA I was living in went from Partyville USA to uh the middle of nowhere suburbs where there's nothing to do and it was it was like the, not to make light of people who went to war but there is that thing that people talk about where they're like they just want to get back into the action they almost don't care mm-hmm. that they're back you know, in a safe place or in a place that's reliable and consistent, they want the chaos. I was sitting there for for four months, just like, just <laughs> scratching at myself, just bouncing my leg, just couldn't sit still because I was I just like, to the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't adjust properly. And um, I found myself back in New Orleans four months later, I packed a duffel bag, packed two pairs of shoes, called my friend Mark, said, Hey man, I really need somewhere to stay. I'm trying to find a job working on movie sets because I actually had a friend at the time who was working on movie sets. And he said, hey, if you come down here, we'll get you uh, work. So I just took I t- I took a fucking gamble and uh, I crashed on my friend Mark's couch for, you know, two months, almost two and a half months. And just fighting cats in the middle of the night, you know, barely taking showers me and Mark would split a forty ounce because we were so broke. We had little pieces of change, little bottle caps, and and pieces God of lint damn. that we would <laughs> that we would use to trade uh, to trade for, for pennies on the dollar. Um, and uh, it was it was a hard scrabble time. It was definitely a time that taught me, okay, there's nothing behind you. Behind you is desolation. Like you can't go back to being a kid. People, there is now the expectation that you have to produce something that you have to make something to make money. And once I really heard that loud and clear, um, from the universe, I was just kind of like, all right, well, I got to find a job. I got to just hit the pavement and I got to just make money so that I can support myself so I can, you know, live. And I started working on movie sets. I fucking busted my ass 12 hour days, 14 hour days, you know, working, uh, in the hot ass, Louisiana sun, on some dumb TV show that no one was ever going to see, and uh, that was like $130 a day after taxes. So I, in New Orleans, is cheap enough that I could work for five days and then be straight for like a week, you know, and not have to work. So I'd work one week on, one week off. Then I got a job as an assistant, and then I was making like real money, even though I was still working 12, 14 hour days. And the next two years of New Orleans was just like this adult version this job having a job but still partying like i was a kid and mm-hmm. wanting to wanting desperately to have the the um good parts of being an adult but none of the responsibility of being an adult so yeah. um you know i was really careless with my money i was just completely nuts all the time i was and a part of it was my job was just so high stress but I never really got a chance to like call my nerves. I would work 14 hour days and then I'd get off work and I'd call somebody and they'd be like, yo, we're at the rooftop of blah, blah, blah. And there's 30,000 bitches here, we gotta go crazy. So I would go straight from a set to just chugging a bottle in my car and then just hopping out the car into downtown New Orleans and running up the steps into a party and just going nuts and then just rinse and repeat the next day. So I never had a chill moment. And there's a part of me that was like, yeah, that was dope. I had such a great time. But then there's a part of me that's really ashamed of that time because that was 23 to 24 or no, 22 to 25. Pretty much that mm-hmm. I just not wasted, but was not unfocused. I was unfocused. I was just living to eat. I was just working to eat, working to drink. And, um, I really didn't, uh, Aside from wanting to become a a writer on a TV show, I didn't really have any goals. And you know, um, for me, a place like New Orleans, eh, on top of not having any goals, you're just completely in the wind. You know, you're just Mm -hmm. completely um, uh, ready to be consumed by your vices. You know, and that's that's kind of what happened. So it was it was an interesting time. I I learned a ton about myself. Um, Had some of the funnest, craziest. I had me and my roommate Adam DeWalt were by the end of that 2 year period we were the we were the count of we were the counts of uptown we had like cloaks like dracula and we just lit. we literally lived in a mansion on in the garden district and would just like we'd sit on the balcony and just look look down at our at, at our uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look like no, like look down at our fiefdom that we had created for ourselves because we just knew everyone, we knew all the places to go to, you know, we had a ton of girls, everything was everything was just live. And you know once you've kind of mastered a place, you know, the places have kind of become your domain, mm-hmm. that's when the that's when the fatigue will set in again. So the second time I
2: left completion rate and you did all the DLCs and all that
1: extra shit. It's just like, all right, what's next? Exactly. And that's what happened. My last three months there, I really set into like a really serious depression because I was going to the same places over and over again. My relationship was over, like my major relationship with a girl there was over. She had moved on, you know, I was still kind of toiling, doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. Um, just sort of hitting this wall, this very real wall that I could feel where I was like, okay, I could just be an assistant for the next seven years and just blow my brain and like just literally completely blow my nerves out, have no uh, sense of sanity anymore. Or I could try to find a way out of this city and start over again and start fresh in a new career with a new life and just get out of the mix, get out of the the rigmarole and i decided to go to san diego and that was how i ended up in california and then you know did all, did some other things but i totally totally understand uh what you're saying about just feeling like it's time to go you know yeah. like you've had enough that happened to me two two times yeah oh the same thing in california as well well, California Covid happened uh, in mm-hmm. l a and l a turned turned from being like a kind of a shitty, like, you know, town with a lot of bad personalities to being a zombie apocalypse hellscape with shit on the street and people screaming at night and helicopters flying overhead and <laughs> riots and explosions. And it just became way too crazy. And I was just like, yeah. you know what? I don't even like this city enough to be here right now. So, and a bunch of my friends started leaving, but people started going back East. People started going to other places in the West. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go back home to Michigan. And I've been back in Michigan for about a year and a half since then. But yeah, man, that was, that was kind of my journey of the last, while you were in Mexico, that's kind of what was going on with me.
2: Yeah. I just met somebody uh, over the weekend who was talking about, he was like, uh, I think he's, Like, a was a model and now wants to be an actor. And he wanted to uh, either go to New York and LA. He's thinking about going to New York, but he also had LA in his mind. And I was like, man, I mean, I wish you the best of luck with with all your future endeavors and anything truly, but you got to be ready for LA, bro. Like, that's (laughs)
0: especially,
2: especially you, especially you're a
1: pretty boy and you want to be an actor Mm -hmm. in LA. Oh, they, oh, they got some movies for you. Oh, there's some <laughs> movies. Um Yeah, man. A little yeah. small town boy like you. Oh, mm-hmm. oh they, they oh, gonna put you up. In, <laughs> hey, they, they gonna put you in some pictures now. They gonna put you in some pictures. But uh yeah, you know, it's not all bad. LA was definitely a super fun time, really, really interesting place with a lot of really smart people that were doing interesting things. So yeah. I can't I can't just say that L.A. was all bad, but I just happened to literally move there January 1st, 2020. So I got about three months of it being a normal place before everything fell apart. So, you know, my uh, my perspective is, is, you know, very skewed in that way. But um, you, you ready to watch some YouTube videos? You want to check out yeah, some stuff? Still. Let me or share sure my out. screen. Let me share
0: my screen here.
1: All right. So this is At Home by Hard Rock. Um, you've, you've already, I, I've sent, I think I might've sent this to every single person I know. Um, I was obsessed with it. His but, sound has evolved beautifully. How long has he been around? <laughs> home? Uh, I looked him up, uh, Hard Rock. He hasn't been out for that long, but he's been consistently making music. Shouts out to Hard Rock if he sees this. Uh, he's been consistently making music. Uh all of it kind of sounds a little derivative of like, you know, kind of that I wouldn't say like that kind of Travis Scotty auto-tune the kind of delivery, but it's good though. It's it's still unique, even though it comes out of that soundscape. It's still unique and it's still got its own vibe. And it's kind of like that sound, but like just a little bit more refined, which is what I like about it. That's why I liked uh at home. Uh, by hard rock because it was like such a refined song it was like all the best sounds out of like what you would typically hear from another rapper's like auto-tuned you know three four minute song this is like a two minute like clip of like best hits sonically okay. you know that's what i liked about it slatty but, uh, Don. what
2: would you say slatty Don. slatty
1: Don. Yeah, I gotta I gotta download his stuff because it's it's fucking great. But
2: do you remember Kane Groceries? Oh uh, somehow that sounds familiar, but nah. Hey,
0: oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Don't
2: no. <They're> run <laughs>
1: What's he drinking? <laughs> Don't worry about
2: it. Don't run, Don't run
1: it. Don't run yeah. it.
2: In, he's in a cave
1: network. He's not Yo, even in the US. Look at what his shirt says Columbine Physical Education.
0: <laughs> nah. <laughs>
1: Y'all y- y'all ain't ready for this. What? Y'all ain't ready for this right here. Yeah, but I might have listened to this song 7,000 times. No, way more than that. I've listened to this song like 80,000 times for sure. But there's just something about this kind of like very repetitive, very overly simplistic rap that I just can't get enough of. It's just mm-hmm. something about it, man. Something extremely hypnotic. Is hella catchy. <laughs> just look at how he's just tiptoeing.
2: I wonder if there's any way I can turn up the volume of the... Sh- oh,
1: it may, because for some reason, fucking...
2: Here we go, stream volume.
1: For some reason, Apple... Apple's really annoying with like sent, uh, allowing people to hear your audio. Like you have to do all this fucking extra shit. So you mm. may just be hearing it out of my speakers coming out over there and yeah. like, yeah, well, we'll fix it. In, we'll fix it in another episode. But, um, I was thinking about watching some movie clips. Uh, what's, what's a good movie clip?
2: Uh, the one scene from uh, what is it? Glenn Gale, Glenn Ross, or something? Oh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Hold on, yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to show you. I wanted to show you this this scene.
1: It's one of my favorite movie scenes. I just love this with no context. <laughs>
2: yeah, this is so weird. I'm not getting any.
1: Yeah, getting any of the audio? Are you? Yeah. Well, it's it's fine. You you don't really need to hear what they're saying. There's just no context. <laughs> yeah, no context.
0: This is this is a, this is a silent go.
1: film. By it, of so, That's for scary. our for our listeners, this is the scene in Goodfellas where uh, Ray Liotta finds out that um, his girlfriend was hit by by her like. Neighbor, like the guy that she like grew up with, so he goes over to find the guy, and the guy's like fixing a fucking car or something in his driveway. So Ray Liotta gets out of his car, gets a fucking snub nose with the girl sit- with the girl sitting in the passenger side. He just parks the car over, <laughs> walks across the street, and just. Beats this guy down. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. Oh my God Have you ever wanted to do that to somebody in Cholula?
2: Yeah, a few a few days. <laughs> <times. laughs> Pull out the on somebody. Yeah, but
1: the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross scene, Alec Baldwin speech. This is this is goaded. You really like this. This is a good ass movie. You're about to you're about to get into sales, so you better uh, you better listen close.
2: <laughs> Have you made your decision for Christ?
1: Christ. <laughs>
0: Is, I'm the heart. Five units. I'm One, two, one Just to check with the lawyer. By the so, he's a guy. I like the whole thing. All I need is a lead. of the Get rich. There's a lot of land. Thirty. who's it? Well, I'm not a leaf. Have your attention for a moment. About you're talking about what you talking about. Bitching about that Sally shot, some of the my land, somebody don't want me selling, some broad trying to screw, so forth. Let's talk about something important, i Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee yeah I'm with you. I'm not funny. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mission Murray, and I'm here on a mission of mercy. Certainly don't now, because the good news is you're fine. The bad news is you've got all you've got, just one week to gain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's. Like I now. getting a little something to this month's sales you all know first prize is second prize prize is your prize. Lead. Good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're getting You can't close shit. You shit. Get the rich out and beat it because you are going out.
2: The leads are weak. Leads are weak. Your fucking leads
0: are weak. You're weak. <laughs> <laughs> That's my name. You know what? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove
1: an $80,000 BMW. That's, That's my name. <laughs> I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Would if you were in Mexico and you showed this to your friends like would they get that the, like would they get why this is funny or would they just be like this is like
2: some annoying American? No, they would probably get it. <laughs> on the line
0: which is
2: dotted. You, hear me, you fucking faggots?
0: <laughs> <laughs> always be
1: closing, always, always be, be closing. closing, always closing. closing. Attention, interest, decision, action, attention. Do I have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? <laughs>
0: Make your decision
1: decision for for Christ.
2: (laughs) Oh my goodness! I don't walk on the lot unless he
0: wants to buy.
2: Is this how salesmen like actually talk to their clients or is it just like no. an in-house thing
1: <laughs> no this is like this is like a very hyper stylized version of like what i mean you will get this kind of person you will meet this kind of person like when you're in sales um do they talk to their clients this way and probably not but like will they talk to their co-workers this way like will they be aggressive like this absolutely you know, like th- this kind of guy, like the Alec Baldwin guy definitely exists in sales. Um, and if they're particularly effective, they know how to be aggressive, how to be aggressive with a deal without scaring off a client. Like that's the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. Mm. But if, if you're very good at that, if you're very good at being persistent and assertive, um, you will, you will kind of be as successful as he is. Like that is a real thing.
2: what's the deal going on with alec baldwin right now didn't he just get uh wasn't he just found guilty for like accidental manslaughter or something yeah i don't know let's look it up let's see we got you
0: watch
1: Oh okay, his manslaughter charge is downgraded. Charge against Alec Baldwin and rush shooting is downgraded. New Mexico prosecutors downgraded charges against Alec Baldwin. Ooh, helena hutchins in the rust movie said documents filed in court shows uh, one count of involuntary manslaughter fourth degree felony that carries a sentence of 18 months in prison well prosecutors have removed what's known as the firearm enhancement a part of the criminal code that extends prison sentence when firearms are involved in the commission of a crime so basically he's been they've stopped with the whole like Oh, like you shot her with like they're they're not going to make the gun a part of the the prosecution. They're just going to basically say you're the reason why she's dead. You get in a manslaughter charge, so he might definitely face some time. I I don't see him not facing like d- at least doing like nine months. Like a lady is dead. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty hard to just sweep under the rug. It's not going to go away necessarily, but do I see him like doing like hard time, like more than, I don't think he's going to do more than a year because how did it, this
2: all transpire in the first place. Like you're supposed to be using prop guns or at least guns with like, you know, blank rounds in them, I guess. I don't know how it yeah. works on that. So how was it that like she died from, from an actual gunshot? Wound?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, someone had, I don't know if they loaded it with, Um, real ammunition or if it just misfired and the blank cartridge shot out like a bullet and killed her. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, whatever happened, he, I guess, thought that the gun wasn't loaded with live ammo, which I don't understand why a gun would ever be loaded with live ammo on a movie set. Like That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so... I don't necessarily know exactly what's going on with that, but I It sounds I like something know. from Hitman, like... Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it definitely seems very strange. But the point is, and the reason why he's going to get in trouble for this, is, like, even if there was no bullets in the gun, you're not ever supposed to point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger. Like, that's just, like, gun safety. Like, that's just, like... Being on a movie set, you're not even really supposed to be holding a gun until the prop master gives it to you and says that it's ready to be fired. Like you're not even supposed to pick it up, like until a prop master tells you, like, "Hey, it's you're ready to you're ready to use this gun in this scene." So um, maybe maybe the prop master did tell him it was okay to to use it. I don't know. And and but if that were the case, he, the prop master would be in trouble and not Alec Baldwin. So I think he genuinely just like. Was playing around with a fucking gun and shot it,
2: which, like, that's stupid. Like, you're not supposed to do that. Okay, so here's I'm looking at a, a timeline piece. On December second, Baldwin speaks out in first interview in his first interview following the shooting. Baldwin told ABC News, uh, "George, okay, I guess is the anchor for ABC. That's Stephanopoulos, that he mm. had no idea how a live bullet got onto the set of his film." but that he didn't pull the trigger on the firearm. He also said that he didn't believe he would face criminal charges for the tragedy. Uh, on January 12th, Armorer files lawsuit. The film's Armorer, Hannah Gutierrez Reed filed a lawsuit alleging that the ammunition boxes supplied by the prop provider failed to state that the contents contained both dummy and live ammunition. What the fuck? That makes no sense. Like, yeah, why why both live and dummy ammunition, like
1: maybe for a shot where he has to be loading the gun, so they have to show a real bullet going into the gun. But even then crazy. you can get a prop for that. I don't know why you would need I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It just seems like a really dumb thing that happened
2: to him that's really unfortunate. Yeah, not to mention for the victim. I mean I mean, holy shit, yeah. This. this is so crazy.
1: Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man.
2: Truly really a tragedy.
1: You know what, man? We're at an hour. So I want to uh-huh. come here. And uh, I want to chit see how the, the episode went, how it looks. Like. Um, yeah. When I watch it back. And then we can keep recording if you want to keep going. Uh, yeah. But I just right, I'm going to shut up my dog, too. He's going crazy. Yeah, I got to take my dog out, too. All right, guys. Bye. This is end of part one. Part two is coming to you soon. All righty.
0: I'm going to hop on my phone real quick. All right.